0: Hello and welcome to the Man on the Post Weekend Review Show. I'm your host Ali and with me, as always, I have Simon and Dave. How are we both, gents?
2: Very well, thank you. Yeah, spot on, thank you, Ali.
0: Well, um, this weekend was a, I'd say, contest for worst game of the weekend. Um, None of the results went the right way for any of the the so-called top teams. It's like no one wants to win the league again this year. Um, (laughs) any, Any highlights over the weekends for any of the two years?
2: Um, uh, I mean came over quite well, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we we, co- yeah. we both <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, we'll start on the Friday night game where uh, where Bossman's team look, looked lively for a bit and then lost two one to West Ham. Uh, Simon, what was your thoughts on this apart from being smug that Le- Leeds lost? <coughs>
1: um, I, I, yeah, like you said, I think Leeds obviously started off well enough. Um. Got a nice early penalty. Uh, the, they got lucky with it being retaken. I mean, you know, the keeper, is, his back heel is one millimetre off the line. I suppose you'll say technically he is off the line, but I mean, I, I, I don't know what else they can do really, um, Other than maybe stand behind the line before the penalty is taken to give you the chance to step forward and, and dive. But then from then on... Um, Actually, I was, I was quite impressed with West Ham, and I thought if they'd had a half decent strike up from someone, basically anyone other than uh, Sebastian Heller, I think they'd want it much more comfortably. Um, yeah, Leeds, I mean, we've kind of said it before about them. They're going to blow very hot and cold, I think, all season. Just, you know, they'll, they'll have some great results, but there's always going to be games like that where the they, they're so forward-thinking that it's kind of I don't know like if, if Bielsa kind of gets away with it a little bit. If any other manager came and went and just with that attacking and that one way and you were still losing, like you you, you get quite a bit of criticism. Say you know why is he only leaving? Why have they only ever got two men back seemingly? But he kind of he, he seems to be getting away with it a little bit. But um no, from West Ham's point of view. At the start of the season, there's no way I'd have said come December they'd be in and around the top five or six. Um, So I think you've got to give them and and David Moyes huge credit, really, for for the job he's doing there this season.
0: Yeah, Leeds Leeds are the proper epitome of a team who can hammer Man City and then get annihilated by Crystal Palace, you know, all in the same week. Um, On on the Bielsa bit, I, I get what you're saying, but they're still picking up results um and points whereas if he was doing this a bit like Norwich at the start of last season yeah you know it would be different but it's just the way it's just the way he plays isn't it it's, it's not it's not anything new it's not he's not just doing this as a as a almost as an ego thing um, yeah. this is just the style that we he's been doing it. and and I think he probably still does get a lot of stick in the media at times um, but so long as they're picking up points for me, I think yeah, yeah. I mean they, they
1: have better defenders. As you say, like it, it's effective because you know they've they've picked up a number of decent results. But you just, I, I sometimes think that yeah, it's it's great and I'm sure it's very entertaining to watch. But you think certain games on certain, you know, if a game's going a certain way, maybe. You know, scan it back a little bit and think, you know, let's let's just sit for 10, 15 minutes, calm it down and then get going again. But, you know, I mean, he's, he, as you say, he kind of, he, he, it's not like it's in Novich where they're playing that and losing every week. So I, I don't know. And they could possibly, they're doing well enough. They could possibly do him better, but I'm sure they're very happy with, with how the season's gone so far.
0: Yeah, it's a fair point, but I mean, I'll I'll hand over to Dave here, who's the who's the prime example to ask this question. Would would you rather watch Leeds the way they play, Dave, or Newcastle the way they play? <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> definitely Leeds, I'd say. I mean, I've made this comparison before, but it reminds me a lot of, um, of when we had when we had Benita, I say, with the way so goes on at Leeds, and that I think people at times accuse Newcastle of being a bit, you know, blind towards. The manager because you know he's ours and we think he's the best but i get that kind of vibe with the way leeds go on about bielsa as well in that it's better to have a system and know the way your team's going to play it. and if it doesn't work and everyone's given 100 percent then you can kind of make your peace with that um but when you've got as you say there the way we're playing at the moment there's, there's no style there there's no there's no tactics as such and it's just you don't know what you're going to get from one week to the next um You've got to remember as well, of course, this is Leeds' first season back in the league, so that they're a newly promoted club, and they're six points ahead of the bottom three, which for any other newly promoted club, you'd say, well, fair fucks. So yes. I think it's I think it's our age, to be honest. I mean, as you say, it doesn't help that they've, they've lost a few defenders to injury as well. Yeah. Um, so I think they'll be happy to be above the bottom three. Um, anything beyond that, for me, would be a, a bonus.
0: Yeah, I mean they're sitting 14th in the league. They're ahead of Arsenal. Not again. Not saying much. Obviously, <laughs> um, obviously results this, for them again went their way this weekend. Um, obviously we'll come on to a lot of the teams, but Bar and Foo Burnley, um, no one won in the bottom below them. So again, it's just you know they'll they'll keep they'll keep keeping away for the rest of the season. Uh, thoughts on the game, Dave yourself in general?
2: Um, yeah. Echo what Simon says about West Ham. I know we obviously Leeds are always the kind of main event in these in these fixtures, but I thought West Ham were, were very efficient in what they did. Um, I had like, a feel for the lad because he he's obviously got quite a bit of ability, but um, it just doesn't happen for him, is it? it it's 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 not uh, it's not the league for him, from what I've seen. He's um he's too too soft for a big man. He doesn't retain possession well enough in which in that sort of system. You've got to do. Um, time and time again, he was kind of getting his pocket picked and all of a sudden Leeds were on the attack. But I think they get Antonio back in as well, who's obviously makes them a better team. Um, it's hard to, be, hard to be upset if you're a West Ham fan at the minute. You know, you're sixth, you've won four of the last five in the league. Um, it's all quite rosy.
0: Yeah, it's definitely looking good. I think um, the, the David Moyes' COVID um, scared at the start of the season, definitely kickstart kickstarted the league forum for them, for them. Um, and it's just been fairly fairly consistent ever since then. To be fair, I know we're joking about that, but that really was the kickstart. I think they, was that the second game in or third game in?
2: Yeah, well, it didn't take them
0: very long. <laughs> yeah, um, and and they've been fairly consistent since. Um, so yeah, not a solid win for that. Um, so we'll move on to the. The early kickoff on the the Saturday, um, and again not not another not another non excitement game. Um, Simon, I'll let you take this away. A one 0 win for yourself,
1: <coughs> late last minute penalty, um, against the very
0: boring Wolves.
1: Yeah, um, it was kind of it's a weird game to watch, really, and with the way the result went. When you think, con kind of two weeks before, we we played really well and battered West Ham and come away with nothing. Uh, and then on Saturday, I, I thought we were in decent control of the game, but Wolves had the best chances in the game. Um, and not that there was many, but you know they, they had a couple of really decent ones. We didn't really create too much. Again, as I said, I thought for the majority of the match, we were kind of on the front foot and looked fairly comfortable. Um, Martinez made a couple of decent saves in the first half. And then um, about ten, with 10 minutes ago, I think he pulled off brilliant save from a uh, Dendon volley, And that's, it's makes such a difference having just such a top keeper like that. And you know, I, I said it at the time, and I'll still say, no, I, I'm, I'm gobsmacked that, that Arsenal let him go, because I think he's better than Leno. And I also kind of thought, if he was available for 17 million, I was surprised that Chelsea didn't go for him, considering they had, they were playing Kepa at the time. Um, but then obviously we, we go down to 10 men. The biggest thing I take from this game was it, it, the game of football wasn't allowed to break out because Mike Dean wanted it to be the Mike Dean show. I mean, <laughs> there, there was nine yellow cards and two red cards in the game. And I don't think there was a single bad challenge. Like it was every single tackle. I, I don't know when the rule changed that you you can't foul someone without being booked, which is seemingly what, what Mike Dean seems to think of. best you know, it's, meant to be, it's a local derby. Okay, there's no fans in there, but it's still, you know, it's a local derby and you kind of, you think referees, should, it's kind of not just deploy a bit of common sense and, you know, manage the game a bit better. Instead of dishing out yellow cards left, right and centre, just, you know, quiet words say, you know, just, just calm me down a bit, lads. Um, but once we went down to 10 men, I thought, you know, even though there's only sort of five, six minutes left, I was quite impressed that we didn't just sit back and think, OK, let's take the point. We we did still put men forward. And then obviously that paid dividends, you know, McGinn, great bit of skill. Samedo, really clumsy challenge. And then uh, the biggest shot then was to see Anwar Elgarzi stepping up to take the penalty. I was convinced that Grealish would have had it and uh, a had only been on the pitch for about 10 minutes and I don't think he touched the ball but in his interview afterwards he was kind of saying um, in training he puts him away every single time and so Jack was, was more than happy to give it to him to take it so from our point of view another great result That's five away performances now we've won four, lost one in all, in all four of those victories we've kept clean sheets so yeah, very very happy very happy
0: yeah, no promising start. Dave, did you watch this game?
1: Uh,
2: I did. Um, obviously, sai has got the inside track on this, but um, I was astounded by the save for Martinez from uh, the Dundalk volley. Uh, I the thought, volley, yeah. f- from where it was when he connected with it, I thought, I thought it was a sure ago. Um, I, th- I thought Wolves kind of huffed and puffed a bit and uh, what do you call him, the young lad? Sil- uh, is it silver? Silva. Um, yeah. Was, touching looking at the score when he hit the inside of the post but yeah um, that was kind of because of got for Wolves that, that was, I mean it goes without saying them they miss Jimenez but um, I, just, I don't know if you listened to the commentary on this but for all they missed Jimenez I didn't really agree with the way they were going on as always was like prime Andy Carroll in terms of like every ball in the box <laughs> yeah. so like oh well Jimenez, Jimenez would have scored that like well he's good he's good in here but he's you know <laughs> I think you know Mings and the, and the like wouldn't exactly be overawed by his size put it that way so um, it's a bit of a worrying time for wolves. Um I know you've obviously done the villa side of this, but um for wolves like they do look a bit toothless, as you'd expect without the main man. Um and it's obviously not going to improve until until January. At the very at the very best, assuming they get someone in, and you know, I'm sure they'll have a Portuguese lad on the on the radar already. <laughs> but uh, but it goes out saying if you don't if you don't score goals you're not gonna win many points. So it's a uh, all gonna be pressure for Wolves.
0: No, I agree. I, I was reading a tweet, Fred, at the weekend about the Wolves. Um, I was trying to see if I could find it quickly. Just basically about how how much weaker they are from, you know, the transfer
2: dealings at the weekend. Um oh, I saw that where there was the price comparison. Yeah, um, the
0: in and outs and 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 it's true really. I mean, it's it is a concern. I mean, not just the the him and edge. Um, I feel Nuno's kind of stuck in
2: his way as well. But doesn't but seem to be any tactical changes. Well, he's changed, hasn't he? He's gone from the back five to this four at the back, um, which I don't think is a bad move, except the centre half's suited to it. I think everywhere yeah. else, everywhere else in the field seems to be <laughs> alright, but the Cody looks half the player he was in the three, and that's only been a very small sample, admittedly. But um, he doesn't look as assured, um, and the, so I think they dropped Bowley this week for 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 size. Um, who again, like Saez, when he first came in England, was a was a midfield player. So I'm quite surprised at how, how that's worked out for them. But um, it, if I was them, I'd, I'd be going back to the five whilst Jimenez is out and just at least trying to keep a solid base and then rethink things um, come uh, come January.
0: Yeah, I think i would be a massive January for them. I mean, you, you joke slightly about the Portuguese incoming, but you, you would have to think they've got somebody lined up. Um, especially attacking or creatively, um, and then also with the uh, the late Matinho sending off as well, um, it's a big player for them to lose.
2: That was never never a second yellow either. I don't think you touched him.
1: Uh, that, that was uh, to, to get sent off for that. I mean, that, just the point I was making about Mike Dean, it was just it was ridiculous. I thought ridiculous refereeing performance.
2: Well, it was. I think, as you said, it was all about the Mike Dean show, and he's one of those who goes, well, I'll show an early card, and then that'll stop them. But then, when it it doesn't stop them, he hasn't really got a plan B. Like He just keeps showing card after card for for minimal fouls. Like As you say, for this to end with 10 aside, there wasn't a flashpoint in the whole game, really. Oh, Um, yeah. It's embarrassing, wasn't it? (laughs) Very odd.
0: Can't say a bad word about Mister <laughs> <laughs> Um We'll move on from that then. It's a solid three points for yourself, Simon. So obviously very happy. And we'll move on to the other half of my uh, my team here. Uh, another three points, Dave Two nil, two one. Sorry, uh, home win against West Brom. Uh, Almiron and Dwight Gale with the goals. Um, I didn't see any of this. I've seen the highlights, but I was watching like Sky Sports, the the three o'clock goal show type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you should have heard them when Dwight Gale came on. Uh, I think Tim Sherwood was covering the game. You would have honestly thought you'd brought on Lionel Messi um, at, <laughs> while, when he was 25-year-old, the way he spoke about Dwight Gale coming on. Honestly, um, it's,
2: talk, it's, bizar- us it. it's bizarre how much love he gets from general punditry because... At Premier League level, he's been very, very, very average, to be polite. Like, you know, at Championship level, don't get us wrong, you know, he's lethal. He's 20, 25 goals a season at that level. But at Premier League level, I'd be surprised if he's ever hit double figures. I've not checked, but I don't think he has. Um, we made hard work of this, but at the same time, from the week or two weeks we've had with, you know, the training ground being shut down and various players missing with COVID, I'm, I'm kind of just, I'm loath to complain too much because we've got the points, Um which I think in the circumstances is is all we could ask for. Um we could have done some things a lot better than we did. I think we're obsessed with playing on the break. We should be able to get our foot on the ball a bit more against the likes of West Brom and, you know, dominate the game a bit. But the equaliser was coming for a long time. We'd we we did not do enough to to take the sting out of the game at all and um Jamal Lewis at left back for us was appalling. I do not I don't know if he's had the illness or whatever, but um, it's no surprise that the goal came from his side. But um, what you would say is that to give Bruce some credit, he made changes to win the game. He took off both full and threw on Murphy and uh, and Gale, um, who combined for the winning goal. Um, so, you know, I'm always quick to criticise him, but, you know, credit where it's due, he actually went, on, went to win the game and did. Um, but aside from that, I say I don't really want to pull holes in it too much because I think getting... A result in those circumstances is all that really matters. Um, I think Isaac Hayden ended up playing centre back, even though he's obviously mostly a midfield player. But and he himself had the had the virus, and he just said he was basically on his ass for a week. Um, and he'd had a couple of days training, and somehow managed to get through it. So I say fair play. I'm, I'm happy that we did it. Um, I thought Conor Gallagher for them was was the, the best midfield player on the field by a mile. Um, and I probably won't get in Chelsea's team next season, but if he, if he goes to another Premier League club, I wouldn't be disappointed if he end up with us. Fair play, I I did love the
0: the Dwight Gale header for the winner. That was um, an That's excellent header.
2: It's a proper English football type of goal, was not it? Uh... <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Simon, did you see much of this
1: or? <coughs> um. Yeah. Sort of drifted in and out of it really. Um. I think yeah, Dave sort of summed it up well there. You know, wasn't. Wasn't the most exciting game as you know none of them were this weekend, but you've got you know West Brom at home to, It's a game you you really got to be winning really. Um, I mean that that first goal, I you mean know, West Brom kicked off and 20 seconds later the one the one nil down. I think that that sort of sums it up. And they, they're just they're just not good enough, are they? Um, you know the the great winning goal like you said, it's a beautiful crossing. It's a great header, but I mean, Gail—he's—he's he's not exactly a giant, is he? And you know, he's fairly unchallenged in the box there. So, yeah, d- decent three points for Newcastle. But from a West Brom point of view, you—you just—I—I I just can't make a case for them staying up. But the only bright spot, as you said, is that uh, Conor Gallagher. I think he—he he looks like a decent little player, but I—I don't I think he's going to be good enough to to drag that team to safety.
0: Fair point. Fair point. I I can't say I've seen much of Gallagher play, but you can see if, if he's a Chelsea youth player, you you know he's not going to get games there. So it will be another loan spell,
2: um, or or a sign in somewhere else. I'd imagine. Um, was, what impressed about it, just sorry, before we move on, is just he was, no he was he was absolutely everywhere. Like it, it, normally easy, you get a midfielder who's either you know he's a hold midfielder or he's an attacking midfielder. This was like a, a throwback to the old box to box days. He was he was all over the show. Um, and he he was, as a certainly West Brom's best player, and say he made a good case of being the best player on the field for the most part. He was uh, he was very good, but again, I haven't seen loads of him, so maybe it's just we made him look good. But um, I was, <laughs> he, he caught my eye anyway.
0: I'd definitely keep an eye out for him for for future games. Um, I'm glad you kind of interrupted because at least it delayed talking about this next game. <laughs> um, the Manchester Derby, the the highlight of um football in weekend. Um the two most attacking teams according to world football. Um <laughs> No no. Um do, do any of you wanna go into detail about the game?
1: Not especially <laughs> uh, I think the most exciting thing about it was um Raheem Sterling's haircut. <laughs> so that, that, that was interesting. But other than that, I, I, I literally, do you know, I, I can't actually, I, I only watched it last night and I, I can't remember a single thing that happened in that game.
0: I remember so... a dive from Sterling <laughs> in the corner.
1: Sounds about right.
0: <laughs> Phil Jones, and, no Phil Jones, John Stones and Harry Maguire cuddling and Roy Keane oh. and losing his head. That, that's,
1: that's it. That's all I could tell you about the game. So that, that was embarrassing, wasn't it? That that's, you, no, you, no one can tell me that that's a proper derby. Like, if there's no way after a Villa Blues game you'd see the players walking off the pitch hugging each other and still be trying to swing punches at each other. Like a derby should not end with the coaching staff and the players, you know, basically giving each other love bites. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Do
0: you think that happens if there's fans in the stadium, like proper fans? I don't mean the, the two thousand that we're getting just now.
1: Probably not, but I don't know, if the game was the game that tepid, I suppose there's no need to get, you know, argumentative at the end of the game. You've you all had a, a lovely stroll for 90 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, and on you go. Uh,
0: are we making too big a deal of this? Uh, is, is there anything wrong with what happened? Like, try to play devil's advocate here. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd be fuming of Liverpool United and Players are going off cuddling like that, but uh, I, mean,
1: yeah, I mean, in look, the I'm modern not, game, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that they they should be, you know, throwing punches at each other or whatever. Obviously, that's you know that that is extreme, but you know they're, they're meant to be huge rivals, and they, I I don't like the fact that they're hugging each other like you know and so lovingly as well. And <laughs> no, nah, not in a derby game. I'd I, I wouldn't want to say that. I, I'd be I'd be really annoyed if, if that was Villa.
2: I'd be the same if if the time we had Derby finish and our lads were going off cuddling their lads. I'd be just like when you've just spent 90 minutes in the stand throwing bile at the other team. <laughs> like it's the yeah. last thing, thing you want to see. Um, but as yeah. you say, maybe it's down, the fans not being there. I think, mm. rightly or wrongly, I think footballers in general have kind of become closer over the last six months because they're kind of in it together aren't they, they they've got to be yeah,
0: yeah no that's fair um, I think we'll move off and as I say, there's not much to say um, it was abysmal um, <laughs> I mean Man United had, had the more more shots but all off target I can't really remember a goalkeeper making
2: a who was that there's a chance in the first half when Morris went through from De Bruyne's pass. I think De Gea saved it and then De Bruyne blazed over the rebound. That was, yeah. as good, that was about as good as it got, I think.
0: Oh, can we mention Martin Tyler's commentary?
2: Oh, De Bruyne, De Gea. De Bruyne, De Gea. De De R-B. R-B. Wait,
0: what? What was that?
2: <laughs> uh, uh, what, the other thing we didn't mention, actually, was um, the penalty for Man United that got overturned by VAR, and it was actually an efficient use of VAR for the first time yeah, in a long time. that's true. Fair enough. But that doesn't really cause controversy, so it probably won't get mentioned, but
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't even know about it, so there you go. No, there you go. <laughs> ah,
2: well.
0: Right. Well, um we'll move on to that and we'll go to the, the last game of Saturday evening. Um and it wasn't wasn't a terrible game. Um Everton won Chelsea nil. Um Chelsea were really kind of found out here. Very toothless, um, an attack. Um apparently from Gelford Sigurdsson, wins the game here. Uh, Dave, I mean, thoughts
2: on this? And um, Well, my main takeaway from this is that I think last week we speculated what difference can a couple of thousand fans make in the ground and this is evidence that it can actually make quite a big bit of difference because I think there's a couple of results this weekend that wouldn't have happened had it not been for the fans in the stadium. Um, I think this was good old-fashioned kind of underdog taking on one of the top you know, top three teams in the league, um, and getting that extra 10% out of the, you know, the, the support in the stadium. Um, Everton were nothing flash, really. They just all dug in and did their jobs. Um, Chelsea were disappointing, as you say, but I think they missed, missed Saec on the, on the right. They didn't really yeah. have that, that creativity up front. Um, Havertz was god-awful, um, for whatever reason. I don't know, but... Uh, <laughs> And Everton just kind of played on the break and got their goal from a penalty, which I'll Mendy after last week when we speculated whether he was actually any good. And he, uh, well, I don't know what you call that. It was, it was senseless. <laughs> so he, there was absolutely no need for him to be anywhere near that situation, but there he was. So, yeah, uh, um, that, that was my main take: is that I, don't, I think without fans there, that probably wouldn't be an Everton win. No, that that's a fair point, Matt. I mean, that you're right. with takeaways from there,
0: that and how many times Chelsea crossed the ball in this game. Um, Simon, any, anything else? <laughs>
1: um, no. I mean, to be honest, I I didn't actually watch this game. I've, I've only just seen the highlights. Um, <laughs> but I think I, I think Dave made that's a great point about about the fans and you know, there's, there's a, a game that was played earlier on today, which I think you were alluding to with the fact of fans being there, I think it does make, it can make a difference, and yeah, i agree, if, they, if there's no fans there, probably fancy Chelsea to sit there, uh, to, to get the three points there. It's interesting you're saying about Havertz, I don't think he, he has really settled in at, at all well there, do you, does anyone, do you think that he's a player that maybe just needs a bit more time, or is it? I mean, I'll be honest, I've never really seen too much of him before, um, you know, obviously he heard decent things about him, but when I've seen him for Chelsea, I, I, I don't think he would get in my first eleven if I was picking him up for Chelsea. I think,
2: like the rest of the country, I kind of watched the Bundesliga for three weeks in April, May, whenever it was, <laughs> and immediately I watched Leverkusen and thought, this guy can play. He is, however, quite young, and to come to the Premier League and hit the ground, is yeah. another story. Um I don't really know what his best position is because he, he doesn't strike me as a wide player. I think Leverkusen played him as a like a false nine almost. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, nine and and I don't know if he'll do that at, at Chelsea because they've got obviously Abraham and Giroud and whoever else. But we talked about Vern last week as well. He always had another blank. I think I read it's seven games in a row that him scoring now, which uh, is pretty much unheard of for him the way his career has gone so far. But the pair of them haven't, Hit the ground running as certainly with Vernon we thought he might, but there's obviously class there. It's just going to take a bit of time to find it.
0: Yeah, I mean I'll I'll go back to what I said about Chelsea at the start of the season, and it's I don't mean it to be as a as a, as a negative as it sounds like for for Ryan and any Chelsea fans listening. You feel the way they've bought their players. It's just a case of oh he's available, he's good, let's buy him, and there was no real plan of like how players are going to fit. How they're going to integrate with each other, and they've, they've just—it doesn't seem like from the players where they played in previous teams and previous positions. there does not there doesn't seem to be any. It's like it's like trying to fit the, like the, the whole uh, square peg in a round hole type scenario, and and that's what it feels like from each other. So it's just the case of oh, this good player's available. Let's just buy him because we can, um, and there, there doesn't seem to be any any plan there. Um, like Werner, as you said, he's never had this barren spell. And he and doesn't seem to be playing bad when I'm watching him. You know, everything seems to be there. But it's like he's trying to do it all on his own. The fact that Giroud and Tammy keep changing. Uh, Havertz doesn't seem to be playing his usual role. Uh, Zajic has been in and out through, I, I assume it's injuries. Um, Mason Mount still seems to be like integral to everything they do. Um, I, I just don't know. I just feel like there's no. I mean, they have a PE teacher as a manager. I guess you can't expect too much. <laughs> um, I I do feel if they had a an Ancelotti, even you know, just a, a stronger manager who, a bit like we're saying with Bielsa he's got you know he's got his style and that's it. But he buys players for that style. It doesn't matter about the the player's name. It's about an identity, uh, a type rather than a name and ability.
2: No, I think you might be... I, mean, I guess we'll never know, but I don't think Lampard's done a bad job, in all honesty. I know he's not Flavour of the Month by any means, but as I've said before, I think he did well to keep them where they were considering they lost, who was largely regarded as their best player in, in Hazard. Um, and obviously this year, will be, there'll be a lot more scrutiny on him because he spent a fortune on, you know, generally world-class players who should improve them. Um but this was a, this was a bad day for them in general. Um, it didn't really ever look like scoring. Um, whether that's down to the manager and the tactics or not, I'm not not that sure because you know they've, they've played this way all season and generally done quite well. But for whatever reason, didn't work for them on the night. I will say,
0: Reece James looks a real talent at right back.
2: <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed him versus Richarlison where after about half an hour, Richarlison gave up trying to run past him and just <laughs>
1: <laughs> and
2: just got uh, embroiled, embroiled in various bits of. Scrapping really, um,
0: but yeah, no, I I think I, I like your point, which I hadn't really considered like too much about Everton fans, but they're the type of fan base who really get behind the team, um, and especially the way obviously the first the first half or first half um, went and gave them something to hold on to. That was it.
2: Um, they just encourage those players for the rest of the game. I think what I'm hoping we'll find is that the fans who are going to the ground now are your actual hardcore fans. So taking you know Newcastle as an example, people say, "Oh, Newcastle has got the best fans in the world." You know, our away fans are fantastic because they they actually want to be there, and there's you know five to six thousand absolute hardcore fans who will sing their hearts out for the whole time they're there and afterwards, regardless of the result. Our home ground's been like a morgue for ten years now. It's, yeah, and it's it, it's a it's endemic with the way football's gone and that the crowd is full of uh, family days out and, you know, stag dues and whatever else. And that, that's absolutely fine because it's, you know, it's a game for everybody, but it doesn't necessarily make for a good atmosphere. And, you know, part of it's down to there's no singing section anymore and all this kind of stuff. But um, what we're seeing now is that you've got fans in the ground who want to be there because they love supporting their team and not because the husband's gone or because it's a, it gets the kids out of the house, this kind of thing, which I certainly say at St James' quite a lot. Um, So what you probably find is that those 2,000 that are in there will make a hell of a lot of racket because that's probably all it's actually normally seen anyway. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a great
0: point. And I think every team like Simon and myself can, can attest to that. There, there's certain parts of the ground, especially um, at Anfield, that it's just terrible, the Cop mainly um, <laughs> any, any Liverpool fan fool you that the Cop's this this amazing stand to be in That's unfortunately that's where a lot of the older fans are now um, who have had their season ticket for 40 years and of course they're entitled to still be there they, they support the club but obviously it's now the case of, it's the, the day out and they're sitting there and just they want to sit and enjoy the game because that's what they've always done um, we will move on to today's games um, and we'll say it again, Sheffield United are they going to get more than one point this season <laughs> a 3-0 home win to Southampton um, with goals from Chi Adams, Stuart Armstrong and a homeless 85-year-old looking Nathan Redmond <laughs> <laughs>
1: he's Simon. had the, r- oh, the roughest fit around
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah um, mm. Is, this was as routine and predictable a result, I think, as you were going to get this weekend, really, wasn't it? I mean, Southampton, being in great form all season, Sheffield United, <laughs> once again, were saying, just, I don't see, there's, there's no goal threat from them." But what seems to have really crept into their game this season is, which wasn't there last year. It's like some of the goals they concede are, are, are such, such bad goals to give away. I mean, that first, you know, the first game, the first goal in the game can be so crucial and important. And you look at that, that first one today. I mean, it's a decent ball into the box uh, initially from Ward-Prowse. But it looks like, you know, the, the keeper's going to come and claim it, whether he hasn't shouted or Jagielka hasn't heard. Jagielka sticks his head on it. And then the, the attempt for the second ball is you know, pretty wayful. And Ramsdale he, he, he should be coming out, I think, and, and just taking everyone and the ball out there. And he sort of half heartedly made an attempt for him. Chadams gets in the head. And I you know, once 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 they went 1-0 up for me, that was that's pretty much game over. Um second goal is unlucky, it's a deflection. You know, when when you're down the bottom and, and you look against you, nothing's going for you, things like that happened. Yeah, I mean, I just you know we've been as I say we've been saying it for a few weeks now. I I really think they're gonna struggle to hit double figures in points because to, to, like and I I'm not even like trying to trying to be like funny or me by saying that, but like I genuinely you look at them and you I just can't see who I mean the, the only other team that you look at and think oh they could maybe get something from them because their dog shit is West Brom, but West Brom <laughs> beat them one so nil. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I just I, I can't say the, the only way they're going to get a result is you know, a major slice of luck in a game at the moment is is what, is what they're going to have to rely on and when you're relying on luck to try and get you through games I, I think you know your, your numbers up
0: They're so slow as well, that's the biggest takeaway for me they just, none of the players seem to have any sort of turn of pace I mean Dave, um I mean, can you see any light for Sheffield United? And why is Chris Wilder getting no stick whatsoever?
2: I think he's probably got quite a lot of credit in the bank because of what the job he's done there. Um, and if they got, let's say they got relegated, who would you appoint to bring them back up? You probably wouldn't get anyone better than Chris Wilder to bring them back. So I guess it, he's he's in their identity, isn't he, Chris Wilder? I mean, certainly the owners seem to love him. Um, I think we'll stick with them through thick and thin to be quite honest with you but um, I think what Cy si was saying is totally spot on and that today was the first day I've seen them and thought not only really are they shit they actually don't care like some of the, the, that first goal was embarrassing like Che Ch- Adams even almost looked surprised to be able to put it in Un- well, basically unchallenged from about six yards like and the, the attempted block from the defender was pathetic it just, just wasn't really a block attempt at all and it was it was very poor, um, and then, as I said, they never looked like scoring. Um, they basically set up not get beat, and uh, didn't even come close to doing that. You'll uh, have to excuse me a minute, my son has somehow got himself trapped in the cot with his arm. I'll be of two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Simon, look,
0: like as Dave said, that, um <sighs> Yeah, they, they they just look like they don't care. Um, I don't know wh- how much they spent in the summer. Obviously, they bought Brewster, um, from Liverpool. Um, yeah, which which hasn't worked out for him. But it, he was never really the type of striker they needed. I mean,
1: no, that that was I. If to to sign like I mean, he may well you know go on in the couple of years to, to be a decent Premier League striker, but he's as you say he's. He was never going to be the answer for a team struggling for goals, and the money as well. I mean, Liverpool have done some great business like, <laughs> over the years, <laughs> getting big fees for for um, you know unproven players. Um, but it wasn't just that. I think they spent £18 million on on the Ramsdale.
0: Yeah, that was a bad one.
1: Yes, yeah, but like, I mean, obviously Dean Henderson was always going to be difficult to to replace in terms of light for light quality. But I mean, if if you're looking to sign a goalkeeper, I don't think the first you know port of call should be from a team who's got relegated for con- and conceding 70 goals in doing so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, who who did, who signed who first? Just like when you 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 guys signed Martinez, you signed Martinez quite late, didn't you?
1: Yes, we, I think we we were sort of linked with, with Ramsdale, but I don't think there was ever any actual uh, truth in it. But uh, yeah, no, we, we, we didn't sign Martinez until, uh, I think, so our start to the season was delayed by a week so we met uh, right, City yeah. to play in Europe. I think we signed Martinez after the first game of like, right, the league okay. season. Yeah, but you still think, I mean, Martinez had to have been available. Oh, God,
0: yeah. But, so I mean, why, I suppose... why weren't they looking at him? I mean, as you say, you can't look at a relegated... I mean, don't get me wrong, defenders are different. You can look at a defender because it's not one man's fault, but if you've got a yeah. goalkeeper who concedes that many goals, doesn't matter yeah. how, good the de- how bad the defence is, sorry. There still has to be a, a, a red flag there that you should be considering.
1: I'd have thought so. I mean, I, I get the point that you'd say, you know, Martinez would have been available, but I think... Had say Sheffield United put in a bid, then, then you know whether whether it was us or another team would have then gone, well hang on a minute, if if he's available now for like sixteen, seventeen million, the will in, So I don't know whether they'd have necessarily got him, but yeah. I think the point the point does stand though that I don't Ramsay was I mean clearly as it's been shown, but even at the time I I thought eighteen million is a lot for a not particularly good goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, I mean,
0: there's much to add on this. I mean, I think we all agree that Sheffield United are doomed. Well, not doomed, because obviously we're still... We can't see a way out, shall we say.
1: Yeah, and uh, Southampton, again, they they just keep keep marching on and doing what they're doing, aren't they?
0: Yeah, Southampton are... (sighs) If Liverpool aren't to win the league, and I know it's not going to happen, I'd love Southampton to win the league, just just for the way they stood by uh, Hasselhoott and the way they had to in for them, um, the way the players are put in for Danny Ings and how much it would upset the Pompey fans and our, or our <laughs> WhatsApp group, um, it
2: would just <laughs> properly make my day. Did you um, hear what they said today about Hasselhoott at Southampton, where he um, he designs the, like, the the training uh, programs for the under nines upwards so like everyone wow. everyone at the club is playing the same way um so that's that when well, nice. they need to go to the, the youth academies to bring people in they've already been playing the system for well it could be 10 years really by the time it gets to that point um that's, which is you know they've, okay, they've, yeah. they've gone all in on Hasenhutl it's um it's it's interesting really, it? it's Hi, fine
0: off <laughs> on, on on that type of subject uh, also dave yourself and i also shared shared the same manager um now when rafa came in he did something similar i i don't think to the extent designing the training programs but you know the the tactics the setup um right through i think it was just from like the probably under 16 17s type age um and that was for that very reason you know everybody bought into the that 4 5 1, 4 3 3 type. Did he do similar with you guys, or is it a different? Not uh, play, it sound arrogant, but you know what I mean? Like, how how deep does your youth culture go, sort of thing?
2: <laughs> Our youth culture is, is slim to none, so. Right. I think um, I Brunet has always kept an eye on it, and that he, he went to see the under 23s play quite a lot, um, mm. but I don't think he really interfered because he. Wasn't one of his coaches. Like he obviously has a lot of Spanish coaches who were on his, yeah, his first team staff, but 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 he had a was an English lad called Joe Joyce who used to play for various football league clubs in the past. He was the the, the youth guy when he, when Rafa was here. Um, so I don't think he was sort of planning that far ahead. But what he always did say was that our youth academy and the training ground needed so much investment to be worthwhile. Right. Uh, and, and, obviously, and obviously that's never happened, so I don't know why he just thought, well, there's no point. Because <laughs> 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 he probably wouldn't have been allowed to have the coach he wanted anyway to do it, so um, he probably didn't think it was a, a battle worth fighting because he was fighting that many battles when he was here. <laughs> um That was probably one that was quite low down the pecking order.
0: Yeah, but my, what, what I was really getting at is, like, obviously it's it's easy it's easier done obviously at a, at a higher club like Liverpool who who have the resources and. A bit like Chelsea, you know, bringing in like young foreign players. It was very lucrative as well. But I do wonder how, like the way as you say that Ralph's done that at Southampton. How how much better it would be for for a smaller club like Southampton, who can then bring players in and bring players through, and you know, really investing into the youth. It can obviously only benefit them who who've got a very good youth setup, as we've seen with players who've came through there um, in the years. That's it, I think it's
2: it's easier to tell good players how to play and that's probably a stupid thing to say, but Southampton, as you say, they've got a very good youth setup already, so let's assume they get pretty much first pick of any good youth players within probably a 100 mile radius of where they are yeah. um, if they tell them, oh, do this and do that they'll be able to follow instructions, because they they'll all yeah. like decent football brains um, I, I honestly think those types of things, you, you're just born with it or you're not um, and good football is a Easy to easy to mould, really, because they'll, they'll do what they're told, because they'll understand it.
0: No, it's, I like that. Um, as I say, I'm a massive fan of Ralph, and I really hope the so can continue to do well. Um, moving on to the next game, um, which was a s- strange one for goalkeepers. Um, <laughs> Crystal Palace won, Tottenham won. Um, Harry Keane with a Spurs goal. Um Harry Kane and Son combined for the 12th goal of the season um, which is a record I believe for a partnership in the league um, which <laughs> is quite impressive considering we're <laughs> so short into the game um, and who uh, my mind's gone blank who got equaliser for Crystal Palace now uh, slip <laughs> um, from our, both goals from goalkeeper mistakes but the Crystal Palace <laughs> goalkeeper made two or three really good saves in this game um, Dave, now that we're back from the child exploits, <laughs> um, what was your thoughts on this one?
2: Well, this is the other game I was thinking about where the fans made a huge difference. I know they didn't get the win, but um, in the second half in particular, um, Palace got right on top and the fans were pretty boisterous in t- in towards you know, almost willing the ball over the line. Uh, it, was, it was a series of corners and free kicks in the second half, which eventually led to the equaliser, which had been coming. Um and I just think again, like without the fans being there, this would have petered out into be a one 0 Spurs win. Um, I think Tottenham were very leggy, very poor. Um, they just couldn't. They didn't want to. They didn't want to keep hold of the ball, and they got nowhere near playing on the counter attack. Um, they just kept giving it back to Palace over and over again, and eventually the pressure told. Um, Mourinho kind of likes the situations where. Other teams would keep pumping the ball in the box, and he's got, you know, he's got his Dyer and Aldevarald and Hoiberg all there just to get rid of it. Um, but I say Palace are quite strong physically. Um, Benteke, for all he has lost a bit of his goal scoring touch from years ago, he's still a still a big man at try and defend, and he, he, he obviously put the shits up him a bit. And for all, for all Lloris got the blame for the for the equaliser, it came fizzing across the box through about ten bodies and. All right, maybe maybe could have kept all of it, but uh, it wasn't anywhere near as big an error as the, as the, the Spurs goal. Yeah, I'll
0: give you that one. My, my my biggest complaint, why I why I blame Lloris is just because it's it's a consistent for Lloris. Um, I feel he makes quite a lot of mistakes. He seems to get away with them. Um, he's a much higher ranked keeper than I mm. believe
2: he, than he should be i made a good point in Punderdy where he said Luis is brilliant but he doesn't he's, he's glued to his line, Like he doesn't come out and command the situation at all and I guess he's kind of right because if he, if he makes his mind up early on he's going to come and deal with that um, well, He conceits <laughs> Well exactly, it might have been a different outcome but yeah. um, I think he's in, he was in a no-win situation there because the, the quality of the ball is great um, and if the defender's not getting the first touch on that to clear it then he's in bother and uh, yeah. that was pretty much what happened
0: no, it's fair. I, I, again, I knew this is the game you'd be talking about when you mentioned the fans, because I, I, I've put down for, for the away fans that I've seen at Anfield, Crystal Palace are by far the best fans I've ever seen. They're so loud, so mm-hmm. passionate. Um, not that fans aren't passionate, but just for loudness. They're incredible. So as you mentioned, David, if you can get in those 2,000 you're getting, if you're getting even half of those away support, how loud that's going to be and how much of effect an effect, sorry, um, pardon my English. <laughs> uh, how much of an effect that's going to have on the team? Um, I mean, Simon. Um, I mean, lots of Nelson. How impressive are Harry and Ke- Harry 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 Harry, Harry-, <laughs> Harry- <laughs> done as a partnership?
1: Um, well, just uh, on on the game and the point with the fans. It's, it's not only the Crystal Palace away fans. I I've been to um, Sellers Park to see Villa play away there, and their home it's one of the few times I've been to an away game where I've been like really, really impressed with the home support. Like the, the Palace fans, as you say, that they do make a hell of a lot of noise. And, um, so yeah, obviously being able to have, you know, even though it was only a couple of thousand in there, clearly did make a difference. Uh, Kane and son, I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I, I think, yeah, you said that's the 12th time they've combined for gold this season. I'm sure I read or heard something the other day that the overall Premier League record, I think, is uh, for a combination is Lampard and Drogba, with I think 36. And so if Kane and Sond have got, well, they're on like 12 from this season, but I think all together, I think they're on to like 20 odds. So, um, you know, when, when you think how close they are to that overall combination records, it's quite impressive. But it's, you know, it's the way that sort of Tottenham set up this season with Kane maybe playing a bit deeper. Like, I was chatting with a uh, mate uh, yesterday about it, actually, about when like, we're talking about Tottenham. We're saying it, it's kind of, it's, you kind of, you can look at it as maybe like a four, uh, three, three or whatever, but it's, Kane isn't really playing as a forward player. He's almost playing like, like a number 10 and it's like Son and Bergwijn or Mora, whoever it is out there, are the two more forward advanced players. Um, but uh, the, the, obviously then, you know, the game's have the Crystal Palace keeper. Once that, that error aside from the Kane goal, and even then that's, it is an error, but it's kind of, it's one of those the ball has swerved quite a bit and he's, he's planted, you know, he's got all his weight going one way and then once it swerves, he just can't get across. The bloody hell, he didn't half make up for it with some of those saves and that's second yeah. half. Uh, that was, I mean, that was, that that, the, the one, the, the dire free kick save, it was it was brilliant, but for me the best one was the uh, the sort of reaction save from the uh, Harry Kane header. That that you know something like that is priceless, isn't it?
0: Yeah, the the one from Ndombele, um, in the first half. Yeah. As well, yeah, that was because um, it was so close distance as well. I I just love those reaction saves more than more than any other one. Um, I guess like we go on to. A drop, drop obviously, gained a great, great point for Palace. Drop point from Spurs, will be, I'd imagine, they'll be fairly disappointed um, here. Josie Wall, especially, especially with all the other results that's happened yeah. um, this weekend. Um, I mean, I don't know really what much more to add to this. Um, Crystal Palace are kind of just plodding away, aren't they? Um, 11th in the table, probably where you expect them. Um, they are going to be that mid-table team, probably when they get to 40 points,
2: not win- get another point for the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what Palace do. Yeah. That's it. No one ever knows how they get to 40 points. They just do. I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah. um Right, we'll move on from that one to, um, we'll go to the arsenal Burnley again. <laughs> do you know what? Like, Fulham, Fulham won, Liverpool won. Um, Liverpool very lucky to get a point out of this game. Um I thought Fulham were very good or Liverpool were terrible, I'm not quite sure. Um Bobby Reed with the with the opener um and uh Mo Salah, very fortunate penalty strike, um to, to equalise but um injuries, pathetic, lackluster. Um that's about all I can really say. It just just shocking. Um <laughs> Uh, Dave, put me out my misery. Just shoot me
2: now. Oh man, it's not bad. You, uh, I mean, you didn't play well, but you still got you got away with a point. Um, you probably didn't really deserve a point, but you got it. From second half, I think. I think Fulham kind of blew themselves out in that first half. They were never going to be able to sustain yeah. that level of, of pressure for for an entire half. So I think they um, probably did the right thing and trying to soak it up. And they, they very nearly got there. Got there in the end. Play on the break, but. Uh, Again, the fans I think made a huge difference here. I think, for, uh, considering Fulham are like the neutralest club in the world, um, they, they found the two thousand Fulham fans, and they were
0: very, <laughs> yeah, the ones very, that very <laughs> uh,
2: they were very, very good, and uh, Fulham came absolutely flying out of the traps, and they, they deserved their lead. Probably could have been more. Um, what did you think about the penalty that was very desperately tried to give, but no one in the stadium seemed to think it was?
0: Yeah, I guess. I just, it's it's more a concern, like, why? Like, I'm, I mean, what you mentioned earlier about the sensible use of VAR. I mean, it was good to see the referee kind of not buckle here under that. Because mm. um, for me, Fabinho won the ball clearly. Um, I mean, there's still, you've got some idiots um, still trying to get frame by frame of a point where Fabinho looks to take the standing foot away. <sighs> and even Graham um, in the in the studio. Was trying to tell, tell everybody it was a penalty, um, so I'm not quite sure what was going on, but I, I, I thought he won the ball perfect. Um, but, but it only seemed to spur Fulham on after that. He kind of went to another gear,
1: it seemed. Oh, I thought he was a nailed on penalty myself, of course. You did. I, he, he, <laughs> he, 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 he takes his foot before he gets the ball, like. No, I, I was really, I was really surprised that w- when you see some of the penalties that have been given this season, I was, I was shocked that wasn't given. I
2: mean, the thing is, I'm guessing in back in the Stockley Park, wherever it is, they must have had that slowed down so much to see that he hasn't played the ball enough to say I think you need to review this. So, I think, probably was by the letter of the law, but I, I didn't think it was a clear and obvious error and that's probably why he hasn't overturned it. But, um, I, no one seemed, seemed to think it was a penalty. I didn't even Notice any, any Fulham, no, no one, no for any so. no. Um
0: yeah. I mean, on penalties, like I know with the law changing that ours was a penalty, but I hate the handball law if that's a penalty. I
2: know, yeah, that, I, dwell-
0: that's right for us, but I just can't.
2: I think as soon as, as soon as you jump in the wall and it hits your hand, like there's actually no reason for his hand to be there. I think that's pretty much what it comes down to, like. But it's, it's
0: the, I it's, get that logic, but where where is his hand meant to go? You can't well, jump just with your hands at your side either. It's just
2: well, Back when I was a lad, when you were in the wall, you used to link arms, making so annoying, so, it yeah. remained, so it remained a you know a solid unit. So
1: that, with that handball, though, it's again, it's it's the inconsistency. I mean, to give a handball for that, and um, like we didn't, we mentioned it when the like just briefly doing the Villa Walls game. I thought we should have had a penalty in the first half. Roman Saeed sticks his elbow out, sticks his arm out, hits his elbow. He's looked at, it's not given. And like, for me, that, that is much more of like a deliberate action than what the Fulham players days. His arms come up, but it's, it, I don't think his arm was like really sticking that far away from his body. Like, it seemed quite tight into it. I, I thought it was a really, really soft penalty to give that.
0: I, I fab need to listen to Adam and um, any time the ball touches a hand it's just an indirect free kick to the opposition team from wherever the ball is. That's it. It's interesting.
2: Oh, yeah. it
0: be worth a trial, I think. I mean, they do it. <laughs> silly sport because nobody actually watches it apart from the Olympics. But it, it, it happens in hockey. You know, if it accidentally hits the foot it doesn't yeah. matter if it's an yeah. accident deliberate. It's just a, it's a free hit basically from where it is. Um, it's the only way so only law chains that in my head can make sense how we can get
2: the handball law fair and consistent. I think as long as you leave, you know, penalties for deliberate handball that kind of thing, that's probably fair enough. But we, do, think, we, don't want someone, we don't want someone handball on the line being given a free. Yes, kick. I, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if a player dives up like blocks
0: it on the line with his hand, then it's a penalty regardless. Even if it's even accidentally, you know, yeah. do but it's like I'm I'm delighted that penalty went for us because it's the only way we would have scored tonight. (laughs)
2: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's not
0: a penalty for me. It just, um, but the biggest concern for me is we finished with two 19-year-olds on the park, two centre midfielders playing centre half, (laughs) uh, and and Davikorigi came on. (laughs) 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 That that is
2: my that is my biggest concern. Um, Your squad is absolutely on its knees, like isn't it? And. that I, Minim- I actually thought Minamino was very good when he came on, but uh, yeah, good. But Curtis Jones again was was brilliant, but excellent, um, yeah. Yeah, to ask him to go again in three days against Tottenham, it's a big ask of a young lad against you know he's going to have Sissoko running <laughs> running through him, he's going to have slipping <laughs> at I do,
0: at him. I do wonder if Keita was left out for Wednesday, the fact that he didn't feature at all, because um, if he's injured. As much as I rate them and as much as I like them, they just need to cut their losses and so mm. because it, it then becomes there's no point in being good if you're not available. Um, Ox made the bench, which is always a bonus, um, but I I, I
2: generally am concerned for Wednesday. There's uh, quite, been quite a lot of bickering amongst Liverpool fans I've seen on Twitter about the team club picked for the Champions League game, and that you could have lost it 100 nil, been no worse off, yet he still picked, you know. Salah played 90 minutes and I think Jota played yeah. quite a bit. And where do you stand think, on that? Do you think you, you did the right thing, or um, I, whilst I understand like play
0: 18 in the squad of under 12s and it makes no difference, no manager in the right mind is going to do that because they still have that integrity there. Salah playing the 98 minutes was was a disgrace. Um, <laughs> Jota, I think Jota finished the game and he's now turned up with a knee injury and he's out for two months. Um, so do do these guys need to finish the game? But where do we draw the line on what's playing? Like, y- You can't just take out your whole first-team squad um, and play under-23s. He didn't actually, mind doing that camp- in
1: the Carling Cup last season. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's the Carling Cup. And it was only because we we're playing in another competition at the same time.
1: But it was, it, it was a game he was happy like to throw and so the game on Wednesday night as you say like you, you yeah, kind but... of it he, I for that, the only thing I have my issue with it with is that for me then he kind of his arguments that he's been going on about for the last few weeks about players playing too many games or whatever he loses a lot of credibility because there was no need to have played the likes of Salah and John. there's no need to have done that so you can't you can't learn about it and then I have no issue with Salah
2: playing. I've I an issue with Salah playing ninety eight minutes. Oh, I like, think uh, I think Salah needs minutes because he's obviously had the, the COVID and he's probably a little bit behind where he needs yeah, to be. Yeah. And that's why I came off today, but didn't know the fear of the full match was insane and uh, Yeah,
0: just give him a half each with Manny. Like that's what they did with Fabinho and Matip on mm-hmm. Wednesday. Give them a half each just to try and keep them both keep keep players <laughs> sharp, which is massive. Like I get what you're saying about the obviously the villa game, which you should be grateful, to be fair. <laughs> um, but that was more a that was more a spite at the FA more than anything. Um, not like you want they Well, didn't. Like it. I know it's a big team arrogance, but surely the FA would want whatever team featured in that World Club Championship to do well.
2: well I thought I thought they offered Liverpool another chance to play the game like after the World Club Cup and between that mm-hmm. and Christmas. But you said no because it was it was even more detrimental to your schedule, I think. But possibly I, I can't remember well. now how it worked. So, I mean it, but... that was the, that was his the spite there. But
0: I just there's no way you can for me. I would have been not that I cared about losing the game, but I would have been annoyed if we would played 11 players that basically nobody knew the name of. Basically. <laughs> Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Um, I, I mean I wasn't keen on it even at the Villa game. To be honest, because I d I don't really care about the World Club Championships either. I only care about the League and Champions League, I'm
1: not gonna lie. Um Yeah, I, I think the, the only thing I was thinking was because of just of how the the injuries have been like affecting you so far this season. Yeah. I just thought it was it was a real up, especially with, with games this week, obviously you've got, got had games on the weekends, we've got midweek and then next weekends. So knowing I, you've got three games in seven days coming up. That was a real opportunity for me to, you know, just rest the players.
0: I'd be more concerned about finding out why the injuries are happening.
1: Yeah.
2: Because they're all very similar
0: injuries as well, which seems to be.
2: um, Uh, There's no doubt that it's just due to workload. But as we said, you were kind of lucky last year you didn't get any. And I think there was always going to be a time that they were going to happen. And it's unfortunate they've all happened at once, but. There's nothing to say that a, a workload would be just like one season. You know, turns out the limit yeah, for these players yeah, so, is like, so like a I season just, and a half. Yeah. So We just um, need
0: to scrape by till January now.
2: <laughs> well, what I don't understand as well, maybe you'll tell us why, but like, Matt, is it Nat Phillips or Matt Phillips, whatever his name is, the centre-back? Playing against yeah. West Ham and got Man the Match and was largely seen as being a bit of a success story, but he hasn't featured since. Like, I know he's not registered for the Champions League, but like, why, why, not, why not play him today? I, I don't understand why... He could play that West Ham game and, all right, he didn't have many other options, but he didn't do badly. So why has he been pushed aside? I think it's just because
0: the first the first two choices were Matip and um, Fabinho, obviously, after. Um, And for as
2: far as the change went, I think it was just purely to not make... Well, the change made sense. I mean, I, I know yeah. Matt, if Matip was injured, but he must have thought, we're going to have a lot of the ball here. Let's yeah. just have it, you know. try I don't... and make two... I don't really have a problem with that, but I just can't believe he's not. He, the, you've got this player who you're, you're very short at centre back. You're playing one of the worst teams in the league, and he's not good enough to play that game. So when do you play him? Like, what's the point? I know, he, hmm. he, I know, he's only there as a sort of a an extra no. I, I agree. The
0: fact, that, the fact that he can't play him, but you can play Nico Williams, is a is the biggest conundrum for me ever. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> pardon me but we shall um, we shall move off with my oh god Um, okay Arsenal 0 Burnley 1 Young scored from open play (laughs) Um, and Granite Xhaka hates Arsenal more than Spurs fans do Um, that's my takeaway I watched this game for nearly nearly the full game barring doing the dishes Um, and all I could take from this is Burnley are more attacking than Arsenal (laughs) <laughs> Arsenal are approaches. Arteta, I'm not one for asking, uh, saying my managers should get sacked, but I don't know what Arteta's doing. doing. Um, and Granit Xhaka, like, Arsenal fans must really hate him now. There can't be any way back for him again. Um, Simon, you take this one away.
1: Um, well, I think you basically summed it up perfectly. Do you, do you know, I, I genuinely, even going into this game, knowing that Burnley don't really offer anything. I Honestly, thought Burnley will win the game. Um, the, the first half, I I did. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not, I'm not saying this like to try and be funny or anything. I actually fell asleep for about 15 minutes in the first half. <laughs> and Like I I was, I I was lying on my sofa. I've got the radiator on. Maybe I was too warm and just
2: <laughs>
1: just set me up. And like I woke I woke up and I was like, you know, what's going on? But um. Just Granite Xhaka, I mean, he's. I think Dave, you said it last week. He's just, he's just a disaster.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I, I think what's what's happened with him getting sent off is what I said uh, after Pepe got sent off against Leeds. Arsenal should be Arteta should be grateful that he doesn't have to play for the next three games because he's just a complete waste of space. he's old enough now and experienced enough. To, he, why is he getting involved in the situation like that? And then, it's just I, I kind of I've got to a stage now where I feel sorry for Arteta because I he's he's been pl- plunged into that job and he he was not nowhere near ready to take to take that job on because it's such a big rebuild that needs to go on. I think with that squad. Um, I mean, well, then are they 15th? 15th, yeah. I I, I would, if they managed to finish in the top 10 or 10th, I think it would be a miracle based on what I've seen so far this season because they just, there's there's just nothing there. They offer absolutely nothing going forward. And once again, Arteta come out and like was trying to say up until the red card that. They were dominant. They were in complete control. They were creating chances. I don't remember them creating. I think they put in. I read something like it was 25 or 26 crosses, which is you know exactly what they did against Tottenham. They didn't get a single chance from that game last week. Why they thought that would that would work today? And putting crosses in to against a team with Tarkovsky and Ben Me in the centre of defence. So dude, what they don't want. Little players running in around them, all they and balls being slid through the middle. All they want is for the opposition to go out wide and whip balls in, and they're like, Thank you very much, Christmas come early. We'll (laughs) head these away all day long because Obamiang isn't going to threaten us in the air. I mean, mind you, having said that, we saw how deadly he can be in the air with (laughs) with his goal. (laughs) Um, real as you say, like, it's you don't want to be. You know, going around saying, "Oh, this manager needs to go. This manager needs to go," but I, I, I'd, I'd be unless there's a, a massive turnaround or they do something in January. I'd I'd be amazed if he lasts out the season because there's surely there's there's no way that the uh, the hierarchy of that club can be looking at what's going on and thinking it's acceptable. Four defeats at home on the trot to Leicester, Villa, Wolves. And now Burnley and you know, Decay, Le- Leicester are a decent team. Um, like you know, traditionally you're looking at that and go, okay, that that's a tough fixture. But Arsenal, you know, should be looking at home games to Villa Wolves and Burnley and thinking there's a minimum seven points there from those three games. Really, really worrying times.
0: Yeah, Dave, much more you can
1: you
2: can add to this game? Um, no, I mean it's just it is odd to Arsenal struggling so badly, but I think for all for all they're, they're not good. They are better than they should be better than 15th. I think for all Arteta needs to rebuild this team. He also should have them higher than 15th in the league. I think that's really up for debate. But um, again, I'm biased. But if I was if I was in charge of Arsenal, you'd be saying right, let's go and get Rafa Benitez and just make this team functional, and then we'll rebuild it. Um, because they need a manager who, who actually has, you know, the experience of, of setting up a team, um, sensibly. Big, <laughs> no. Big Sam. I, I'm not even sure Big Sam would touch these folks because like, <laughs> none of them would be willing to do what he wants them to do. Like they're just, they're just idiots. <laughs> it's, it's just like, it's so poor. Um, I only watched this game about five minutes because I was watching the other game as we agreed. And, uh, Chris Wood had a free header in, the, in about eight yards out, which he put wide. And I think, oh, yeah. "How on how in earth have you, you get yourself <laughs> into into this situation? Like, it's absolutely it's, insane."
0: And and the red card, like he'd just been booked literally two minutes before it um, for something stupid, um, and then he got involved in this. Like, like it was like he just didn't want to be there. Like, you spoke about Southampton, eh? Southampton, Sheffield United earlier, Dave about players just not caring and not want to be there. <laughs> I honestly feel that's what Zaka had to have felt like that at that time because nothing happened or nothing that i seen that was so obvious to react the way he did.
2: Well, the joke's on you, Ali, because he gets Christmas off. Very so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Yes, OK. <laughs> but so do I. It's not as well paid as he does.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, their next game is Salaam at home and I think... Southampton mm-hmm. go in that as favourites. And I think that's the, yeah, know, the, the yeah, biggest an, indictment of where they are in, is that Southampton will go there as the away team and I'd kinda of be surprised if they don't win. Um because Southampton mm-hmm. play on the break. Arsenal do what they always do and they'll, they'll have loads of the ball and they'll come out playing and just get picked off. Yep. Romeo will, will will win that ball back and then the possession will turn over and Walcott will probably score against his old club. And we'll all have a jolly good laugh about it. And that'll be the end of that. And So will we. Well, probably, yes. And then they've got, <laughs> then they've got Everton uh, away and they've got Chelsea at home on Boxing Day. Jeez. Um, and you just think, can Arsenal be in the relegation zone at Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> we,
0: we mocked this a few weeks ago about them in trouble. But um, again, well, it's, just, it's a good job that the
2: teams below them are who's below them they are the team you'd want to play though at the minute. Like there's there's yeah. not many other teams at the moment you'd say, you know, give me them next week because there's nothing at all about them to like. No,
0: that's a, a fair point. Um, I think we'll just, we'll move on because I know we won't get much praise for Burnley out of Dave. Um, so we'll move on to the <laughs> game. You watch, Dave. Um, and a 3-0 Leicester win. Now, the only thing I've seen out of this is Madison's goal. Um, the the left foot one, which was lovely. Yeah. Uh,
2: Madison, we two, Vardy, we one, Vardy involved in all goals. Um, talk us through it, Dave. Yeah, so this actually started up being quite an even game. Uh, and then uh, the, what changed it was that Rodgers swapped over the fullbacks. He put James, um, J- James Justin on the right and Albrighton went the left. And Dan Byrne just couldn't handle James Justin, which is an odd scenario to find yourself in, but. Justin was just running, running right down the right and uh, obviously he got the assist for Vardy's goal. He, he should have really got the assist for the first goal as well because it was a lovely ball in, which I think they've given the assist to Vardy, but it's one of those where like Vardy and the defender go for it at the same time, it just spins out to Madison who scores. Um, and uh, then, as you say, they got the third, which was a lovely goal for Madison. Um, Leicester played for like 10 minutes and scored three goals and that was enough. They didn't really need to do much more than that. That killed the game. Um it's been a really good weekend for Leicester and Southampton, as you said earlier. But Leicester have uh, found themselves what third now, a point off the top. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> remarkable, really. They've lost a third of their games and yet a third. I don't know. <laughs> when you look, when you look when you think about it like that, it's crazy. It's crazy isn't it? But Leicester have got a lot of a lot to like about them. I know you don't like the manager, and it's probably well, that's understandable. That's the only thing like about them, though. But the way they play, the, the players they've got. If yeah. everyone, if everyone's fit and firing. They, they are a top 16. Um, they're absolutely streets ahead of Arsenal. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> and uh, again, they've got, you know, Everton, Tottenham, Man, Man United as their next three. If they can come through those three with, you know, probably five or six points, I think they'd yeah, be, be, be pretty happy with that. Um, and then we'll, then we'll see what they're really made of. But... Um, it's, it's good what we were saying last week. Like Vardy had, it was something like by half-time he had 11 touches, but he had a goal and two assists. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's uh, it's like efficiency to the max,
0: which yeah. is just what I Leicester asked. Like, I think the most important thing for Leicester is, is starting to look to that Vardy replacement. Uh, we mentioned it last week, that they, they've tried, but they really need to find a 25-year-old Jamie Vardy somewhere. <laughs> And start integrating him in—not in. uh, necessarily obviously taking Vardy out because that's ridiculous—but you know, have, having him there and thereabout. Uh, I mean, Simon, much more to add to this because, like me, I think you didn't see this game.
1: No, I didn't. No, I was uh, suffering with the uh, Arsenal burn. <laughs> I, I've, li- I've literally just as you were talking there, just pulled the, um, the little uh, highlights on my phone. Yeah, the l- lovely goal from Madison. Um, yeah, no, Leicester. Kind of, they they you know obviously clearly a very good team. You kind of but as you say, you sort of some of the, the games that they've lost um, at, at home as well. And they they lost they've lost at home to West Ham, us and Fulham, and they'll they'll probably be kicking themselves a bit really because you know, they their games are certainly at home. They, they they you know really should have been getting they, they'd be looking to get nine points from those three fixtures so. I think there'll there'll be an element of probably frustration looking back at the you know not maybe not frustration looking back at the start of the season as a whole because you know they're, they're thirds but um you know with with a few less sloppy displays you know they they could be a few points clear at the top so um it's mad enough to uh, yeah. <laughs> <That'd> be top <laughs> it's, yeah it's, just, it's, it's yeah it's weird when you think of it like that but um yeah that just re- routine. Sort of victory that I'm guessing in the ends uh, Brighton. I mean, how how did Brighton actually play during the game?
2: I say it started off quite well. Um, they had a chance early on, which Michael saved. But as soon as they went behind, they didn't ever look like it going back into it. But when you concede three, and about know, must be about 11 minutes or something, it was um yeah it was always going to be uphill struggle for them. But I kind of think feel like Brighton the same way I do about Leeds in that they they've got all the style, but just not getting the results every week. Um, now, obviously, Leeds have got a few more points than Brighton, but there, um, there will come a time where people will probably think, you know, Brighton are in dire need of some points. Now, they're two points out of the zone at the minute, but had Fulham held on today, <laughs> would have been yeah. of, you know, would have been right in it. Um, and as I think we've said this every week, really, there's going to come a time where we say, well, when do we stop saying Brighton have played well and just accept that if you're not getting the points, then it's, it doesn't matter how well you've played. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Fair point.
0: Well, that's the end of the weekend's games. But we have some extra bonus content for you all. because um, the guys obviously aren't going to be doing the Thursday show till after all the midweek fixtures, we're going to go for a quick, just a quick run around all the games. And we'll get a quick prediction from from us all. Um so, Dave, we'll start with you. Mm. Uh, Wills, Chelsea are up first on Tuesday. Quick prediction.
2: Uh, I think Chelsea will win. Um, I think it'll be narrow, but I say Wolves are a bit a bit toothless at the
1: minute. Um Yeah, I'll, I'll go along with that. Chelsea, them losing on the weekend, you'd, you'd expect them to bounce back, and yeah, Wolves start offering a goal threat at the moment, so I'd, I'd, I'd go maybe a 2 0 Chelsea there.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be slightly different here. I'm going to go for a 0 0. Um, <laughs> I think Wolves can kind of just nullify the game, really. I just don't think Chelsea have got enough creative spark if it unless it happens early. Um, I, I do believe Wolves can sit, sit tight. Um, will Manchester City at home to West Brom? Um, I, I'll, I'll start this one off. Mm-hmm. Uh, We're 4-0, Man City time uh, <laughs> Simon, I'll come to you, on this
1: one. If, yeah, If City can get themselves just into second or third gear, then I'd expect them to put four or five past West Brom. <laughs> I don't see the baggies pulling off anything here. Uh,
2: Dave? Yeah, one, one no West Brom, yeah. No, might, <laughs> Man City will win easily. Um, I think, and this will be a theme throughout these games, is that there'll be a lot of rotation. Um, yes. I think it's been quite apparent this weekend that some teams are on their arse already, and I think this is a kind of a fixture no one really wants, but it's kind of needs most because of the schedule we've got at the minute. Um, so yeah, Man City will win, but I, I don't think it'll be a thrashing. I think they'll probably get two or three and, and kind of call it's off the dogs. Still, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, next up on the Wednesday night then we have Arsenal at home to Southampton. I think we all said Southampton probably go in favourites. Uh, Dave, sticking by your gun, Southampton
2: win. Yeah, I just can't say can't see Arsenal winning
1: this. D- uh, Simon. Yeah, I think Danny Ings must be rubbing his hands together with glee at the prospects of coming up against that defence.
0: <laughs> yeah, clean, clean sweep all round. I'm going for a, I'll go for a Southampton one here as well. Uh, just a disclaimer: nobody take these as your betting form. Uh, we want to see Dave, wanna impress you then leads at home to the mighty Newcastle United.
2: Yeah, it's a bit of an odd one, actually, because um, we don't really do well against teams who you know, move the ball about a bit. You know, like, obviously, Brighton turned us over quite easily at St James'. Um, so, I'm, I'm a bit worried, but at the same time, I don't think it suits Leeds playing twice in a short period of time. They've got no defenders, and we're quite good at set pieces, so I think it'll be one each.
1: Hey, man. Uh This is probably the one game which I'm really struggling to, to predict how it will come, because I just don't know what leads are going to turn up if if they've got their shooting boots on? I I think you know I'd, I'd probably bat them to win, but if they're as wasteful in front of goal as they have been in recent weeks, I, I could see this being maybe a, a nil nil.
0: I'm also gonna go for a draw just because I don't want to upset Dave and I don't want to upset the boss. <laughs> so I'm just gonna sit nicely on the fence and it'll be a nice let's go a two old draw just so both teams get some enjoyment. Um next up we have Leicester at home Everton. Um, this is an interesting one. Simon.
1: Who's yeah, going yeah. On? I think this'll be quite a good game. Um I I'm gonna go sit on the fence with a two two draw on this. One. I think it'll be an entertaining one.
2: Mm, interesting,
1: Dave.
2: I think Leicester will let just discuss Everton for all the defender well against Chelsea with the four sort of centre backs playing. I think Leicester will, would like that with their pace.
0: Yeah, I think they've got a bit more about them than Chelsea, like creative wise. Um, not just like Chelsea just kind of try to break them down with crosses. I'm going for a narrow Leicester win here as well. Um, plus, I can't pick Everton to win. <laughs> <laughs> Um, an interesting one up next, Fulham-Brighton. Um,
2: Dave, I'm going to come at you first on this one. Uh, I fancy Brighton, um, only because Fulham have set up with five at the back for the last probably three or four games against bigger teams. And I think they'll struggle against a team who they're kind of probably expected to get a result of. And I think it suits Brighton to play on the break with um, the, way, the way they set up. So I think Brighton might nick this one. Simon?
1: Oh, yeah, I'd agree. I think Fulham will probably go into this like, earmark and this is a, a real must-win game. So they'll they'll probably come out a bit more and I think they'll they'll, they'll leave themselves exposed and a bit too open at the back. So yeah, I'll, I'll go for a Brighton win here.
0: Um, I'm going to go for a clean sweep with you guys on the basis, pretty much what Dave said. I just can't see Fulham getting up for this game the way they did today. Um, whereas Brighton have been a regular bright spot just not getting the results. So obviously I have w- my team's through with them both in the last few weeks. Um but Brighton's performance wasn't so much as a shock as Fulham's was. So yeah. Um and on to Liverpool. Liverpool at home is Spurs. Um I'm gonna go first. Spurs are going to just sit back and try to look for the counter. Liverpool I would say normally if we were away from home Spurs were going to win this comfortably. But obviously we've got that record at Anfield. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a one one draw.
2: I think it's actually it maybe 0-0. I'm really not looking forward to this in the slightest because it'll be overhyped. And I think yep. Mourinho will do what he what he does in these games and he'll just sit yeah. basically a back six in there. And <laughs> I think with your kind of legginess at the minute, I, I just kind of see you breaking them down. And they probably aren't that much fitter anyway. So I, I think it might just be a really dull draw.
0: Uh, Simon, draws all round or are you picking somebody picking?
1: Um, I, Yeah, I think it will probably be a, a dull 0-0. If I was going to have to pick someone to win it, I'd, I'd actually go for Tottenham to, to nick it 1-0 in, in the classic Mourinho style.
0: Uh, we're looking for a new guest. <laughs> 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 no, uh up last on Wednesday night, uh, West Ham at home to palace, Uh Palace. I'll jump straight in where West Ham win. Uh,
2: Simon?
1: Uh, yeah, I'll go along with that. West Ham win.
2: And David? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, mm. I think just with the... Palace away from home are decent, to be honest, play well on the break, but West Ham are just in that good form at the Midlander, so...
0: Yeah, yeah. Right, Thursday night, 2nd last game. Uh, Aston Villa at home to Burnley. Um, Simon, we'll just come to you first and get out of the way. Uh,
1: yeah, three points for Villa here. <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, I was going to... <laughs> Dave? Yeah, yeah, yeah Villa 6-0. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well,
0: I think I, I think Villa will win, against yeah. the um, Bur- Bur- Burnley 2, Villa 1 Sean right. John- Dyke's masterclass here um, <laughs> and I just want Simon to feel pain on the
2: podcast I mean, Have Burnley ever taken 6 six away points in a week before? That can't have ever happened in the Premier League era surely <laughs> There's always a force <laughs> um,
0: And then last up it's the battle of the United Sheffield United v Man United um, Can United- Chef United get off the 1 point mark Dave?
2: Man is like classic Brazil away from home, so I, 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 I think I think Man will win.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be quite embarrassing for Sheffield United as well. Simon,
1: clean sweep. Yeah, clean sweep. No chance for Sheffield United.
0: Perfect. Right, I'm going to give you just one last chance and see see who um, see who comes on top next weekend when we review this. As you know, uh, obviously me, Tom, and Ross do a little mini bet every Saturday. So I'm going to give you a hypothetical £10, but you can only bet on three teams in the Premier League midweek. Pick your three teams for your coupon, and we'll see who comes closest. Simon, we'll go to you first. I know I haven't given you much time to prepare.
1: Uh, Man City. Right. Southampton. And Villa.
0: City, Southampton and Villa for Simon.
2: Uh, um, I would definitely say City I would have to say Villa as well and uh, let's go with Man United just to be different
0: Oh, so we've got United Villa and, right. so basically it's United or, or City to <laughs> see who splits it for you <laughs> right well we'll see how that turns out right uh, Simon thank you very much for joining me uh, pimp your socials for the for the listeners
1: uh, yes, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter, at Cy Regan
2: And Dave, Chapman stuff coming out? Uh, well, it should be. Um, <laughs> I, just haven't, I just haven't had time to to do what I need to do for the next pod, but it will happen at some point. But uh, the Twitter's at CM9798, and uh, the website is cm9798.co.uk. Perfect, perfect. And check out
0: the guys on Thursday's show, which is out at the moment. Obviously, they'll be recording again after the midweek fixtures where they talk about all the leagues throughout the world and obviously they'll review these games. Uh, We have a new 11 Pieces of Me coming out with Tom. We're recording again on Monday with Simon um, and hopefully we'll get our regular run of games now um, now that we're back doing this. So... Thank you very much. You can reach us at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms. If you're on Apple, give us a five star rating and review. It's always nice to hear. Um, any feedback is greatly appreciated. So give us a tweet on any of our any of our personal socials or on the or on the channels, always appreciated. So thank you, gentlemen, for joining me at this late hour. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And always remember to keep your man in the post.